0: Good evening, church family. I greet you once again in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining me. I'm glad that you are here with me. We are now in our fourth session of the Epistles of John study entitled God's Children Now. So let me open up with a word of prayer and then we will begin. Let's Pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I, I, I pray, Lord, that we know each and every day that we uh, are children of yours. Lord, you have claimed us, you have called us as your own. With faith in Jesus Christ, oh God, there uh, is true freedom, there's strength, Lord, there is uh, eternal reward. For that. Lord, keep us always on the path that leads to you, Lord, the path of righteousness. Bless the study and all who watch it. And we ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God's children now. So, church, what uh, I'd like to do this evening is read from 1 John the third chapter. Please follow along. I'm going to read it in its entirety. It is a total of 24 verses. God is love, living as children of God, beginning with the first verse of the third chapter of the first letter of John. It says this, See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Verse 2, Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as He really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as He is pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in Him. Anyone who continues to live in Him Will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning, because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning, because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil, and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Verse 18 Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God, even if we feel guilty. God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence, and we will receive from him whatever he, we ask, because we obey him and do the things that please him. Verse 23, and this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Christ Jesus, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him, and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. And this church is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So God's children now, there's a a great illustration that the professor uses here, so I want to use this as we begin. He says this, Not long ago I heard of a man who had gone blind in early adult life. He had subsequently got married and had children. They could all see him, but he never set his eyes on them. Then one day, the medical breakthrough came. The operation was a success, and he could see at last what an amazing moment to come face-to-face, eye-to-eye, with the people that he had loved but had never seen. There is something transformative about eye contact. People who spend a lot of time looking at one another sometimes come to resemble each other. Perhaps this is because they are instinctively copying one another's facial expressions until their muscles and tissues begin to be reshaped in that way. Imagine beginning that process at last, after years of love, which had been expressed through words and touch, but never before through sight. If we have any love for Jesus right now, Our deepest longing ought to be that we would come face to face with him at last, to see his smile, to catch his facial expression, to begin to know him in a whole new way. So body, mind, spirit, soul, eyes visually, but also with the eyes uh, of our heart. What a a new way of, of looking Uh, at God, experiencing God, even experiencing our our neighbor uh, too. Uh, He goes on to say this, Thinking about our glorious future and our resurrection, or about God's whole new world, in which our resurrection will take place. This is difficult, right? It's hard to have a visual of that. It's hard to, you know, kind of map that out uh, on paper here. But he goes on to say this the professor does. Because the present world is God's good creation, we know it will be like this, only more so, without corruption without decay, death, injustice, illness, sorrow, and shame. So the very things of this world that uh, tend to uh, make it what it is, that is sinful, it, it, that will be no more. It will be uh, no more. Perhaps we, we should say uh, like we are, only much more so. More gloriously physical. Not less. You see, with resurrected bodies, but not ones that are subject to sin, to sickness, or even to death. Able to celebrate the joys of God's world, but no longer lured or seduced into abusing them, lusting after them, or worshiping them. Most important of all, we will be like Jesus, not idol worshipers. Think of the risen Jesus the same, yet strangely different. He had gone through death and still bore the marks of the nails, yet he was never going to die again. He seemed to belong then in both worlds, in heaven and in earth. At once, and that will be appropriate for the new world, since heaven and earth will come together completely then and forever. So, in the, in the passage that I read from verses uh, 11 through 24, the, the latter part of this text, uh, there's mention of Cain there from, of course, the Old Testament. Uh, and, and the professor says this about Cain. Cain being one of the sorriest and saddest cases in the Bible. The professor thinks this. He makes a cameo appearance in verse 12 as the example, the epitome of hatred, which led all the way then to the murder of his brother. For Cain in Genesis 4, that hatred took the form of jealousy. He brought an offering to God, nothing special, just what came to hand. Now his brother Abel, however, brought an offering Of the very best. God, not surprisingly, was pleased with Abel and not with Cain. We're not told exactly how and why God made this decision or even made it clear as to why he came to this decision. And Cain, though, equally unsurprisingly, of course, was angry. He'd been shown up and by his younger brother at that. So, despite further warning, he kills his brother. So, hold on to that thought, and let me make this transition now uh, further on in our text. We are who we are as Christians simply and solely because of God's love. Because Jesus, out of love, laid down his life for us. Love is not something extra tacked on to the gospel. Love, in fact, is the gospel. Of course, it's possible to water the whole whole thing down into a vague, fuzzy benevolence. But it's equally possible to think of the gospel in mechanical terms, almost, as a system of salvation that people plug into by learning certain docu—not doctrines and saying certain words. And to think of love, actual kindness, generosity of the Spirit, going the second extra mile, this kind of love for a friend or foe alike, as almost an optional extra, a secondary hobby for when you've got some spare time. Don't think of it in that kind of mechanical production line way. The professor says, not so. Don't go there. Love is at the very center. And going back to the Genesis 4 story, the absence of love between Cain and his younger brother Abel, something, a key ingredient was missing. And that, of course, was love. Instead, he was filled with jealousy. He was filled uh, with bitterness, as often is the case among siblings. So love, always, in a gospel way, is always and should be at the center. Not to love both when obvious opportunity offers and when it doesn't. It is to show that God's love is not, after all, abiding in you. So all Christians will sometimes wonder whether they have let God and other Christians down so badly that they no longer belong in the body of Christ among the fellowship of the believers. And this is what John calls having your heart condemn you. When we realize the utter and absolute demand of love, we may well find that our hearts do condemn us. In fact, did uh, Cain's heart condemn him through the absence of his love? Something to consider. We simply haven't lived like that. But here is the mercy of God in verse 20. When that happens, in quotes, God is greater than our own hearts. He knows everything and we can then relax because he's in control and we wouldn't even be experiencing this inner condemnation unless there was the work of God's Spirit stirring us up, right? Stirring us up to glimpse the life of love, even if that glimpse shows us how far we have fallen short, right? So, as much and as hard as it is to uh, admit, you you know, we don't necessarily have to murder someone uh, to uh, be like Cain, but we, in fact, uh, murder them with our bitterness, with our anger, with our hatred, with our jealousy toward them, right? That 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 is, of course, a, 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 a an unChristian, unChristlike thing to do. But there's so many parallels to uh, to Cain and the human condition, to to Cain and our human nature, right? I mean, Cain is just kind of the epitome of Doing this self-examination, do we abide in love? Do we have love in us or not? And if we don't, what is filling the void, the place of the love of God? Think about that. That Cain story, go back and read it. Uh, verse, or excuse me, chapter 4 of the book of Genesis. Let, let me make a transition and read uh, this devotion Uh, It comes from uh, just this title, Reflections, devotional from uh, the year 2010. It's got some good points here, so I want to share it with you. It says this, from the beginning of this letter uh, in John, the third chapter, John stated his purpose to be fellowship with God and the joy that, of course, accompanies it. This fellowship results from abiding in him through Jesus Christ. It is this abiding that John has in mind throughout and keeping this context in mind is helpful to the understanding of the entirety of chapter 3. After reminding his readers of the honor they have as God's children, he then speaks of purifying themselves and ref- refraining from sin, which believe w- w- which uh, is a, is a very discipline of a uh, prayer and and repentance of sin. So here the abiding reference enters the discussion in verse six. He says. Everyone who remains or abides in him does not sin. John is telling us that our actions reveal in whom we are abiding. We cannot be abiding in Christ and yet in sin. Wow! Think about that. Process that. That's really the big picture here. Let me say that again. We cannot be abiding in Christ and yet sin. He says, it is not possible. Wow. Stinging words there. Therefore, it must be the devil who is the source of the sin. This is a very complex topic. Is John here saying that if a person sins, he or she, therefore, is not a Christian? It's a good follow-up question. In light of his remarks in the first chapter, the writer here says, no, I don't think so. In quotes, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. That comes from the first chapter of this epistle, 8 and 9. The, reader, the writer says, I understand his comments in chapter 3 to be saying that sin in the life of the Christian reveals that he is not abiding in Christ. Not that it is an indication that he is not a Christian. Based on the verses in chapter 1, we see that it is possible for a Christian to sin, but not if he abides in Christ Jesus. He realizes portions of the text in this chapter are not fully explained by this explanation. However, he does feel it captures the essence of John's thoughts. What do you think? Unpack it. Read it. And I'd like to know your thoughts. So he closes with this. As John continues the discussion, he points to love for fellow Christians as a prominent indicator of our true nature. He says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brother." The one who does not love remains in death. That's from chapter 3:14. Here John's statement seems, in fact, empathetic. If we have no love toward other Christians, then we must not be a Christian ourselves. Christ himself said that love among Christians would be an indication that we belong to him. So there's a detail there. There's an indicator. Something that we're doing. Something uh, that we're living. Furthermore, our love for one another is not determined by what we say, but what we do. And in this case, Jesus Christ is our model. He gave us his life for us, and therefore we should also lay down our lives. For our brothers. John, uh, that, that comes from the third chapter, verse 16. We don't have to be a Christian to show acts of kindness toward other people. This in itself is not an indication of love or of our status in Jesus. It is the willingness to go so far as to give our life for another that love And also our true nature then is revealed. Wow! So John sums up this section uh, in the last two verses. says this, Now this is his command, that we would believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. So, circling that word believe, that is key. And, what? Love one another as he commanded us the one who keeps his commands and remains in him and he in them what happens they are one and the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit that he has given to us so you see it's the holy power of the trinity working and nudging And moving. God is righteous. Are we? God is faithful. Are we? God wants to work. In a magnificent way. Through the power of the Trinity. Are we doing our part? Are we doing our deed? Are we ultimately. Trusting. And living. As God wants us to. In Jesus Christ. Let me leave you with that question this evening a great study for this week let me uh pray for us and then i'll i'll give you a preview of of next week let's go to the lord lord we know that you are living and abiding in us because you have given us your spirit God's own spirit, Jesus' own spirit, living in us. This is breathtaking, but without it, there is no Christianity. Actually, we should say that it's in fact breath-giving. Perhaps those of us who have been Christians a long time should pause and reflect on what it would be like, what it would mean if we simply didn't have that gentle but powerful breath, that still, small voice checking us as we are about to do something wrong, encouraging us in doing what is right, nudging us toward someone who needs help, reminding us it's time to pray, helping us To be patient in difficult circumstances. And above all, holding Jesus regularly and gloriously before our our eyes. Lord, we give thanks to your spirit, the Holy Spirit abiding in us. Lord, with great boldness and complete confidence, we must trust must obey your commands and we must live for the main thing and that is jesus and his saving grace each and every day and we ask this in jesus holy and powerful name amen and amen so church uh, next week's study we are moving into verse five it's entitled god is love And if you would, read the fourth chapter of 1 John in its entirety. And we will unpack it for next week. You have a wonderful evening. Take care and God bless you.